Um, this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of Colossians. Uh, Colossians is a letter near the back of the New Testament. So if you have a Bible, you can be turning there. If not, the text is printed for you in your bulletin. And as you're turning there, I want you to think to yourself, uh, as you think about your life right now, what are one or two things that are missing that if you had them would make your life feel more complete or more fulfilled? What are those one or two things for you that are missing that if you had them would make you feel more fulfilled right now in life? I want you to keep those things in the back of your mind as we consider this text this morning. Colossians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to this group of Christians, to this church in the city of Colossae. And as has been said in the past few weeks, Paul had never visited this city, but a man named Epaphras had heard the gospel from Paul, taken it to the Colossians, and the gospel took root. People believed, and this church formed. And now, soon after, this false teaching arose. There was some sort of false teaching that, that offered this um, something more, something in addition to Christ, some secretive, special knowledge uh, that was this sort of insider deal that for those who get it, uh, this would offer fulfillment for them. So Paul is writing a letter into the church uh, of the Colossians to encourage them and to speak against this false teaching. Our passage in particular is uh, the theme. Verses 6 and 7 in particular of chapter 2 are the theme of the book of Colossians. So they're especially important to understand the whole of what Paul is saying. So... Having said that, let me read our passage for us, Colossians 2, beginning in verse 6 through 15. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, by triumphing over them in Him. This is God's Word. Let me pray for us and ask Him to be with us as we consider it. Father, we do come to You and acknowledge that we have a lot on our minds this morning. But we pray that that You would meet us in the midst of whatever we bring into this room. Lord, You know what's on our hearts. And we pray that You would bless the preaching of your word, that we might know more of you. That is our desire 
Lord, may the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I will never forget the summer in between my eighth grade year and my freshman year of high school. Um, my father, as we grew up, he had taken my brother and I hiking a lot. We'd been camping a lot. But he said, boys, it's time that you go on your first official backpacking trip, like where you load everything up into a big giant bag and hike into the woods for multiple days. So he said he was going to take us out to Colorado for a three-day backpacking trip, and we were so excited. We got all the proper equipment, the backpack, the sleeping bag, the boots, the rain gear, everything. We were so excited. And I was just entering high school, so, you know, I needed a, a lot of help getting ready for this trip, and And I was given a packing list. And when you go backpacking, the packing list is key. I was given this list, and I was told, only pack what is on this list. Don't pack less than what's on this list, and do not pack more than what's on this list. I'm thinking, okay, okay, I'm going to all pack what's on the list. I get it. But then I look at the list, and I begin to actually pack, and I think, There is no way that what is on this list is going to be enough for me when I go backpacking for three days in the mountains. I'm going to need way more than what's on here. And so I begin packing. I think, all right, I've got everything that's on the list, but, you know, we're going to be on our feet. An extra pair of shoes would be nice, right? Uh, And who knows how cold it's going to get up there. Like, a couple sweaters might be nice to have. And, you know, I usually have a pretty large appetite, so um, the last thing I want is to be hungry. So I'm going to bring some extra food. And so I just throw all this extra stuff in. Maybe a few books to read while I'm up there, right? There's no TV, so I'm going to have to read a book. What I didn't realize, what I'm sure you're thinking, is that all of this extra stuff adds a lot of extra weight to the bag, which is crucial when you're backpacking. And I did not realize this until we were about 30 minutes into our hike, up this very steep section of switchback trail, rapidly going up in altitude, and my backpack felt like it weighed 500 pounds. I was totally winded, gasping for breath. The straps of my backpack, it felt like knives digging into my shoulders. I just couldn't get them comfortable. And sure enough, over the course of those three days, I did not touch any of the extra stuff in my backpack. It went totally unused. I just didn't need it. But I was afraid of not having enough, so I loaded it up with all these extras, and it was only to my detriment. It made my pack heavy, and it made the trip really difficult, frankly. Had I stuck to the original list as I'd received it, the trip would have been so much more enjoyable. This passage addresses a temptation that we all experience, which is to look at Jesus Christ and to wonder if he's really enough to fulfill us. Is he really enough? The temptation for us is to think that we need extra, that we need something beyond Christ if we're really going to be happy and fulfilled in life. 
you know, the, the main problem in the city of Colossae was that this false teaching was perpetuating this idea that Christ alone is not enough. They were hearing that in addition to Christ, if they really want a fulfillment, if they really wanted to get it, then they needed this exclusive, special, secretive knowledge. And this is the thing that would take them to the next level. This is the something more that they needed. So our text this morning, it forces us to wrestle with this question. Is Christ enough? Is Christ enough? And what Paul is going to tell us and what he told them is that yes, Christ is enough. In fact, Christ is everything. Christ is everything. And you may hear this and you think, great, yeah, I'm on board. Christ is enough. Christ is everything. I believe that. But does your life reflect this reality? Or does your life tell a different story that you're constantly on this quest to find that something more that's going to be the thing that fulfills you? Or maybe this idea of Christ being enough is totally a new category. You know, maybe you, you come to church and it's just sort of something that you do. Maybe you consider Christianity to sort of be, you know, a piece of the pie, right? But certainly not the whole thing. So the thought of Christ being everything, it, frankly, it sounds a little overboard to you. But as Paul speaks into the Colossians, he says that Christ is everything. And he really breaks this down in three ways, which we're going to look at. He tells them that you never get beyond Jesus. He tells them that you don't need anything in addition to Jesus. And that you're united to Jesus. You never get beyond Jesus. You don't need anything in addition to Jesus. And you are united to Jesus. So the first thing that Paul says is that you never get beyond Jesus. Look at verses 6 and 7 in our passage. Paul says, Therefore... As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Again, the theme verse of the letter to the Colossians. And Paul is giving us the key to growth as a Christian. Do you want to grow as a Christian? Paul's telling us how right here. What is the thing that will help us grow? He says, as you received Christ, so walk in him. He says, keep going in the same way with the same message that you began with. Stick with it. You don't get beyond Jesus. So how did they receive him? He says, continue as you received him. How did they receive him? Really what Paul's doing in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 2 is he's summarizing a lot of Colossians chapter 1, which we've looked at in previous weeks. Passages like Colossians 1, 3 through 8, where he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, As it also does among you since that day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And has made known to us your love in the spirit. So how did they receive it? What is Paul telling them to hang on to? That faith in Jesus Christ that you originally had. 
that hope in heaven that you had, that truth of the gospel that you heard. He says, the faith in Jesus Christ that he came to rescue sinners, this is the thing that you're to hang on to. Continue in this. Do you want to grow? Continue in that first thing that you heard. Continue how you start. And he goes on. In case you might think there's something more out there, remember who Jesus is. We looked at this passage, Colossians 1, 15 to 20, a few weeks ago. Listen to how Paul describes Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He's before all things. In him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul's saying, this is the one who you've received. He's the image of the invisible God, the one by whom, through whom, and for whom all things were created. He's before all things. He holds all things together. He's the head of the church. He's reconciling all things to himself. He's saying that Jesus is everything. And you never get beyond Jesus. Continue as you have received him. So my oldest daughter, Caroline, is, is eight years old. And when she was born, she received this wonderful gift from one of our friends. It was, it's sort of um, this hybrid blanket uh, stuffed animal thing, and, and it's a lamb. And uh, we call this lamb, Lammy. Uh, immediately, Caroline loved Lammy. And she began taking Lammy everywhere. Kids, maybe you have something similar to Lammy. But Caroline began taking it everywhere. She would take it to the grocery store, you know, kind of drag it on the floor behind her, um, take it to Target, you know, to friends' houses. Lammy has traveled the country on vacation, spent many a night in a hotel, so much so that his little paws have had to be re-sewn about three times with different fabrics because he's just worn out from being taken everywhere. And Caroline continues to take Lammy everywhere to this day, and she will likely take Lammy to college with her in the future. But for Caroline, this gift that she received as a child has continued to be the source of comfort and stability and security, where as, as long as she has that Lammy that she received as a kid, no matter where she goes or what she does, things are going to be okay for her because she's got Lammy. What Paul is telling the Colossians here is that they have received the best gift, the most important gift, Jesus Christ himself. And the key to growing in him is by hanging on to him just as they had received him. That was the key. There's nothing else out there. You don't get beyond Jesus. He says, as you received him, continue to walk in him. So how does that receiving shape how we walk? He tells us in verse 7. He says it means to be rooted and built up. Think about that, being rooted and built up. He's combining metaphors of a tree and a building. Right? A tree is only as good as its roots. 
And a building is only as strong as its foundation. It's very simple but powerful imagery. And he, he reiterates this by talking about being established in the faith. Again, emphasizing the importance of having a solid foundation. The solid foundation enables us to continue to walk. And he mentions abounding in thanksgiving, which is interesting because all of the original Greek here is in passive voice, meaning that this foundation is something that's given to us by God. It's a foundation that's laid by God himself. It's that strong. It's that strong. It's God acting. We walk by being grounded on Jesus. I love the way that Kent Hughes says this. He says that we must center down on Christ. We must center down on Christ. You never get beyond Jesus. We grow by centering down on Jesus. How do we do this? Well, one way, this is actually our goal every Sunday here at this church, from the liturgy to the preaching to this table, the very tangible eating and drinking that we'll do at the end of the service. When we come to the Lord's Supper each week, we're remembering Christ as we originally received him. It's this act of coming together and centering down on Christ together. And over time, this weekly rhythm of centering down on Christ, it builds out this foundation. You never get beyond Jesus. But Paul continues... He goes on to say that you don't need anything in addition to Jesus. Look at verse 8. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. All right, what Paul is doing here is he's sounding the warning. He's sounding the warning that the Colossians should not believe the lie that Christ plus something more would lead to their fulfillment. He's saying, beware, it's a lie, it's not going to work. Remember, for the Colossians, this something more being offered to them was in the form of this special, mysterious knowledge. It was for insiders only. That this was the key to getting it, to truly being fulfilled. What is the something more for you? Again, what are those one to two things that you are convinced would make life full and complete right now? We all have them. As you you scroll through the Instagram feed, Christ plus the perfect vacation, the perfect meal, the perfect kids, the perfect outfit, the perfect home renovation, Christ plus those things, will lead to my fulfillment. Kids, as you try to navigate life in school, Christ plus just a little bit better GPA, Christ plus some better accomplishments in sports, or getting into student government, a certain number of volunteer hours, having the right friend group at school, maybe having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Christ plus those things leads to my fulfillment. Maybe your career is the main thing on your radar right now. And it's Christ plus this promotion. If I can just get this promotion, or this bonus, 
or maybe getting a certain graduate degree. Maybe if I can just log those 80-hour weeks for a few weeks on end, that's really going to lead to fulfillment. What is it for you? Christ plus what? Promising fulfillment. Paul is sounding the alarm big time here. Why? Because you cannot add to something that is already complete. You cannot add to something that is already complete. My favorite restaurant in town, uh, which I won't mention by name, uh, refuses to take tips. They refuse to take tips. I've tried multiple times to give tips to them after a wonderful meal, and the owner adamantly refuses it. He says, no, 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 your bill has been paid. We've accounted for all that and what we charge you. Just keep coming back and eating here. We will not accept tips. Why? You cannot add to what is already complete. Paul is telling us that in Christ, we have everything we need. Right now, this morning, as we sit here, we have everything we need in Christ. And I think deep down, we can feel the emptiness and futility of striving after these other things. Uh, you, you know, just getting in a little bit better shape, losing a few more pounds, just finally renovating or redecorating that one room in our house, finally bumping up that GPA a little bit, expanding that portfolio a little more. Have any of those things ever been enough? They haven't been. It becomes this treadmill, this cycle of, keep, uh, of continuing to go after more. You can't add to what is already complete. We never get beyond Jesus. We don't need anything in addition to Jesus. Because Christ is everything. All right. How does this become ours? How does this become real to us? How do we internalize this? Because I'm willing to bet that most of us are thinking, yes, I'm in, I want that. But then there's this big disconnect between the lives that we live during the week. We want that to be embodied, lived out in the mundane of our lives. Because if Jesus sort of remains out here as this occasional helper, then we're never really going to embrace him as everything. And it's never really going to shape everything in our lives. And we're always going to be looking for that something more. Here's the best news of this passage. Paul tells us that we are united to Jesus. He says that we're united to Jesus. Beginning in verse 9 and following, look at your passage. And I'm going to read this, and I want you to listen for every time that Paul says, in Christ, in Him, or with Him. Beginning in verse 9. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. 
This is saying that our union with Christ is the key for us to personalize the glorious truth that Christ is everything. Union with Christ is the key. So I did my undergraduate degree at TCU, Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas, and I studied business there. And as a business major, a significant portion of your assignments uh, were done in group projects. The majority were done in group projects. And, you know, maybe you've been in and worked in a group on something before. As you can imagine, um, a good group in a group project is pretty important, right? Because not only will you enjoy the people you're working with, uh, but you're going to be spending most of the semester with these people. And so it's important that, that, that you work well together and the overall product will be better. The flip side of that, if you get assigned to a bad group, you won't enjoy the meetings, you won't deliver a good product, and it will be a very terrible semester because you're going to be spending all your time with these people, right? Uh, I will never forget my e-business class during my sophomore year. Um, The assignment was to build a database management program, which to this day I'm still not quite sure what that is. Uh, I knew nothing about it then. I I was totally clueless. And the professor assigned the groups, and I was assigned to work with two other students. Uh, The first student was one of the middle linebackers for for the TCU football team, which I thought was awesome to get to know this TCU football player, though I questioned his knowledge of database programming. Uh, The other student was a guy named Eric that I didn't know. We sit down at our first group meeting. We go around the room, introduce ourselves, And we get to Eric, and he says, Hi, my name is Eric, and I've actually been working the past few years as a programmer building database management software. And me and the linebacker looked at each other and slapped high fives, and we knew it was going to be a great semester. I'm still not exactly sure what we did on this group project, but we did very well. Uh, We did such a good job that the professor called us into his office thinking that we had cheated on this project. And soon he realized that Eric was basically an expert in the field, and he let us go with a perfect score. As you can imagine, the linebacker and I did very little. We, we edited the project at the very end, right? We, we sort of put it all together. But we were in the same group on the same team as Eric, who did everything perfectly. And because we were on the same team, as it went for Eric, so it went for the linebacker and me. Union with Christ means that as it goes for Jesus, so it goes for you and I. As it goes for Jesus, so it goes for you and I. Listen to what Paul says about our union with Christ. Verses 9 and 10, he says, We're united to Christ, who is fully God, and who has filled each of us. Christ Jesus the Lord is in you and has filled you. Verses 11 and 12, We're united to Christ in his circumcision, his death, his burial, meaning that we died along with Christ and we were buried with him. Now, Paul's not referring here to the actual circumcision, but he's referring to this putting off of the body of flesh by Christ. What he's talking about is Christ's death on the cross. He's saying that in our union with Christ, we died this death with him. We were buried with him. Your old self died with Jesus. 
Verse 12 again, he says, we're united with Christ in his resurrection. We're raised with Christ through our faith in him. We're raised with Christ as new people. The old self has died. The new self is alive and has been raised with Christ. As it goes for Jesus, so it goes for you and I. We are united to Christ. And do you see how this unlocks the power of Christ in us? Christ is everything, and he's in you, and you're in him. And what are the results of this? Look at verses 13 and 15. Paul keeps going. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. All right, so Paul is telling us that we were dead because of our sin, yet God has made us alive together with Christ and has fully forgiven us. We were dead, but in our union with Christ have been made alive. It's just saying that all of your sins have been forgiven. All of your sins have been forgiven. You know, there's a reason we do the confession of sin, the assurance of the gospel every week. Because we are so slow to believe it. We are convinced that certain sins we have committed are not forgiven. And we're just nagging with guilt. This is saying all of your sins are forgiven because you are united to Jesus. Paul goes even further in verse 14 to say that even the list, the record of your debt, the record of your sins, that list has been totally destroyed. Even the list itself is gone. You really are forgiven. As it goes for Jesus, so it goes for us. And finishing up, I just want to highlight two ways in which our union with Christ hits home for us. And one way is this. Union with Christ means we have the power of Christ in us. It means we have the power of Christ in us. And do you see how much greater this is than anything else that we try to add on to Jesus? And it actually gives us the power to say no to adding on to these things. We have that power within us. Scattered actually throughout this passage, Paul is using language that takes shots at all the false teachers and all this fulfillment that they were offering, all this man-made stuff that they were offering. He said, you've been filled with Christ. Not made by man, not done with the hands of men. You've been filled with Christ himself. This is the power that is in you. Christ is everything, and he's in you, and now you have this power to say no to anything that will lead you away from him. You have that real power within you. You have the power of Christ in you. Think about how this enables you to say no to temptation. In those moments where you're tempted to sin, it's not just you saying no to that sin. It is the power of Christ in you that's saying no to that sin. You really can say no to sexual temptation. It's the power of Christ in you. You really can say no to speaking poorly about someone because you have the power of Christ in you. You're united to Christ. His power is inside of you. The second thing I want us to see is that union with Christ means we have the love of Christ. 
in us. Not only have we been loved by Jesus, but because we're united to him, we have the love of Jesus in us. So this is the love that we now offer to other people. This is the love that we love our neighbors with. This means that for those in your life that are really difficult to love, (laughs) that you just literally can't even, right, that you don't have within yourself, guess what? The love of Christ is in you. And the love of Christ can love these people. Is Christ enough? Yes, Christ is everything. You don't get beyond Jesus. You don't need anything in addition to Jesus. And you are united to Jesus. Look on the front of your bulletin, if you will. There's a quote that I put on there. It's from a a pastor and an author named Rankin Wilborn who wrote an excellent book on union with Christ. Serves as a good summary. He says, Union with Christ tells you a new story about who you are. If you are in Christ you too have been given a new identity. God has called you into a new life, rooted in a history that predates you, anchored in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You discover who you are in Christ, and you're given the DNA to prove it, the Holy Spirit. You once were lost, but now you're found in Him. Friends, the good news of Jesus Christ is that He offers Himself freely to all who would come and received this great gift. Won't you come to him today and see and receive that Christ is in fact everything? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you've not left us searching for that something more. But you've told us and you've given us all that we need in Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, you are everything. Forgive us for looking for that something more. May we find our all in you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.